Welcome to Chit Chat and Chai with your hosts, R.C. Mala and Ritu. Shubra Jotsna Pulakita Yaminim Pulakusumita Drumadana Shobhini Shubra Jotsna Pulakita Yaminim Pulakusumita Drumadana Shobhini Suhasini Sumadura Bashini Sukadam Varadam Mataram Vande Mataram If you enjoyed the song, that was done by my fabulous brother-in-law, Hari Raman. And today we are going to be celebrating India's Independence Day. How do you girls feel about that? Well, I am so excited. I've been hearing a lot on the radio and television about celebrations and preparations that India is doing. Super excited. I know I'm not in India, but very happy. You know, it, it, India is such a beautiful country. I love the culture. I love the history, the festivals, the celebration, the diversity. Same here. Same here. Um, I was born there, but then never really lived there for very long, went back and forth and stuff. But still, India is in our blood. It's in our food, our daily life, our language. My go-to songs are Hindi songs, richness in culture and, and diversity of people. And so it is. It's a wonderful blend of everything. I have to agree, and coming from a whole different perspective, never having lived in India, parents were not even born in India, all from East Africa. Just the fact that I still hold so much pride for that country says a lot. The stories, the movies, um, everything just resonates and I can feel the pride in me, which is, um, I think it's really cool that the culture has stayed and tra um, traveled so far. I went to boarding school. And so I did experience at a young age, some of the independent celebrations and the marching and this, you know, events that would be put on. But after that, you know, that's it. I was born here. So never really got to spend that much time in India. A shout out to our very strong culture. Agreed, Mala. Absolutely. So on this episode, you're going to hear from five generations of speakers. We are all going to be interviewing them. Um, just a few minutes each with each one and their reflections on India, Independence Day, some of the history of India. It's a lot of different things we cover. But we're going to start with Dr. Pineju and uh, enjoy. So, Uncle, where were you in, uh, which city were you in in 1947? In 1947, I was in Punjab, you know, Jalandhar. That time, uh, it was, you know, undivided India, you know, 47. Fifteenth of uh, August, I was in, in Lahore. I was serving as a house surgeon in Edward Medical College Hospital, you know, at the time of partition. Because of partition, you know, I was not uh, very happy for division of India into Pakistan and uh, India. My my home was in actually in Kujramala, which is about uh, 40 miles west of Lahore, you know. India got independence, you know. Can I ask how old are you? At currently? Yes. At present, I have already crossed 100 
Wow, this is my first time talking to a centurion. Eight of us is first March, you know. Wow. So I have crossed 101 century, you know. Congratulations, Uncle. This is a, a wonderful milestone. I hope you have many more years. My first and foremost thing is, you know, you have to be very kind to your country. I, I, I was previously a citizen of India, and then I became citizen of USA. But I have faith and good wishes for both the countries. Uncle, I am so honored and I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. We are humbled. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jen. God bless you. Thank you again, Dharam Uncle, for your wonderful message. We have to treasure all these experiences and stories. Once they're gone, they're gone. So ladies, I have a little quiz for you regarding the Indian flag. Do you all know the colors? Yes. Okay, Mala, share with us. Okay, the colors would be white, orange, green, and then the circle in the middle. Okay, and what about the meaning of the colors? I don't know the meaning of the colors. I do know that the circle is actually a chakra. It's known as the Ashoka chakra. It's in blue. It has 24 spokes and each one, represent one represents one principle of life, um, also representing 24 hours of the day. I'm, I'm impressed, Ritu. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Google, Google. <laughs> Thank you, Google. That's how I found out what the colors mean, actually. So saffron means strength and courage. White means peace and truth. Green means fertility and growth. I am so excited to have our next guest on this episode, Dr. Amarjit Singh Marwa. It was our pleasure to meet with him and to visit him at his estate in Malibu. He was born in 1926 in Lahore, Punjab, moved to the USA in 1953. His journey has just been amazing. He shared so much of his journey with us. It's unbelievable. Hard to put in a 30-minute episode. RC? I'm so jealous you both got to go meet him and spend time with him, actual mm -hmm. in person. Lucky you. Yeah, you know, Ritu and I both sat in the car afterwards and we had to take a deep breath and said, we just met a legend. We were just in awe of his memory, his mm -hmm. recollection, sharpness at 96. Amazing the way he spoke dates names places i'm we are wow. just so lucky that we were yeah. able to do this he yeah. has a wall full of pictures of all the dignitaries and movie stars and people that he's met I'll let you guys all hear what he had to say what was life like in india before independence honey we were very comfortable i belong to a family of physicians and so our life was comfortable india if we had the money before independence. Before independence. Okay. You didn't have yeah. money. Your life is not very good. That time, sure, the poor were really poor. Rich were really rich. Indians were definitely ready to get the British out. They tried. That time was Nehru and Gandhi, no doubt. They were put in jail. But then they ruled India because they had 200 states in India. 200 Maharajas. That's how they ruled. They ruled 200 people only. And then those states ruled people under British. Right. Whatever they, they were told to do, that's what the states did. But they were just free Maharajas because they must be the biggies at that time. And they were given these small states. So 
This is how they ruled in the, the British. Mm. They were no liberty. They were watched very closely. Yeah, no say. Let's suppose you say in Kalab Zindabad. Mm -hmm. That time, mm -hmm. you were in. Did you know any freedom fighters? I went to college. There was one leader of the Sikhs called Master Tara Singh. In Amritsar, each time there was a movement in Lahore, other places, we boys used to follow them up. Biggest movement was in 1942, called the British Quit Movement. Mm -hmm. I was only in my second year of college. Our other senior boys used to be the front, front line. We were in the back line. So then the police were come, front line, couple of lines were arrested, put in jail. We always was with them on the march. Then 47 was miserable. You have never seen it. I have seen it. I belong to Pakistan area. It was in India that time. We didn't leave Lahore till August 47. Because alone if you leave, we'll be killed at the border. We will not pass the border. So we luckily were able to send a message to my father in Freed Court, type of bus or truck type huge military one with machine guns. That brought us up. The whole family, one of the families came up. That's how I've seen in Pakistan, six cousins of mine were killed in front of my eyes. I hid myself in the house. They couldn't find with gone also. I've seen the bodies floating in water all over. You couldn't imagine. So the bodies floating in water, there were no law and order, none whatsoever in the house. Because the English basically gave a leash to start killing. Mm. It was very difficult. So the death, start of 47 or end of 46, was miserable area. Those eight, ten months, the killing was so bad you couldn't imagine. My father was the only one having a home on this side. Our relations came to our home. My father had a big home. 200 people in one home. Wow. Luckily, we had money rooms. Only five, six people in one room. They stayed with us up to two years. Wow. Some got settled in two months, some in five months, some in one year, then two years to all of them to settle down. There was retaliation on this side also. Unthinkable retaliation. The Muslims were killed. But who killed? The poor Muslims. Who, who not, doesn't have even one dollar? They were killed just retaliation. And then, if a good people stopped it, the wrong people killed them. They didn't gain much. One poor man is killed. He, his sibling is still living. When he goes back to Pakistan, he'll be the worst enemy of India then because his parents were killed. The cycle yeah. continues. Yes. If you treat everybody as a human being at par, there's no problem. There's nobody bigger than other. If I say I'm the biggest, no, no, no. You are one of them. But you can't say I'm the best. I'm the biggest. No. You are a common person role. But the youth, if they think that every human being has equal level, elders who give them a little coaching how to live, how to think, and they treat every human being as a human being, there wouldn't be any problem. I hope India, you know, India is a big country. I hope we have the right leaders who can lead India to a much better country. India can progress beautifully if you create the total population of India as one. Don't separate them into many minorities and all this. You know. What minorities? Our minorities are on religion, nothing else. There should not be a separation line. In India, if you are born and raised in the country and you're serving honestly with the right intentions, there shouldn't be any problem. Not that you can create problems for the country. If the government says, we are one, that's important. That we are free. Previously, you were not free under a foreign government. Indians start coming to this country in 1900. There are no rights. They can stay here, work as labor. They were not given immigration at all. They can marry an American, zero status. They get out of the country, they can't come back. Marrying an American girl also, you cannot buy anything on your name, even now. Only you can buy it in her name. 
You can open an account on her name, that is your name. This is what their life was. Indians were given the immigration only in 1946. 46 years, you were have zero status. One man came to the country in 1914. His name was Bhagat Singh Tind. He came as a young boy, as a student. 1914, World War started, First World War. So he joined the uh, American Army as a Sikh, looking Sikh. In those days, we joined the American Army or any army, they make you a green card after you get out. He stayed in the army four years. 1918, the war was over. He was relieved. He was refused the green card. This man married an American girl, fought to the Supreme Court. He was refused till 1935. Then 36, Supreme Court brought the order that all the honorable G of the World War I must be given the green card. He was the first Indian ever to get a green card in 1936. The second person who came to here made a history. He came in 1920 mm. as a student to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. A PhD. This is PhD in 24. He was from a rich family. His name was Dr. Dilip Singh Sant. He also had no rights. Got married, got married to an American. Couldn't do anything on the name. So he became a far farmer to El Centro. 200 miles away from here. Got a small farm. So he became a farmer. Wow. Became a PhD. Wow. Only time he could get on, on his name was 1946. Being married to an American, 49, he could become a citizen. So he's living in that town. Then 1951, the governor came to know the PhD living in a small town. So he was appointed as honorary judge of the town uh -huh. for 28 families. Uh -huh. So everybody started calling him Judge Son. He was, he wanted to fight the election. This country never allowed a minority to go to the Congress of the United States ever. No Mexican, no Chinese, no Japanese, nobody. Yeah, 1954. And before the election, he was a clean shaven Sikh. He applied his ticket at Judge D.S. Sond. Not very mm -hmm. We got Democratic ticket. Excellent speaker. In 56, May before the election, we won by 300 votes. Then I took him to the Capitol steps in 56. Then I brought him out, Dr. Dilip Singh Son. Wow. Federal government shook up. Wow. Country shook up. Our minority came in. So Indian made a dent into the country of the United States wow. by the first minority as a congressman of the country. So the Indians, those Indians made a dent. You can imagine you can live in a country. You come in 1900 to 46. No status. You can't even open your own account. The only thing I can say when you are even in a foreign country or any place, treat the people yeah. as your own. Never say that you are the biggie. Never. You are one of them. They will tell you when they think you are the biggie, not you. Never do hanky-panky or cheese anybody, but help them. If you can, if you can, still it's okay. If you can help anybody who needs help, you get plenty more. Yes. Somebody gives you. I worked hard, no doubt. God gave me plenty. So it's, you have to behave very different to prove them that I have a character to do things. I'll do proper, honest serving. When I was a commissioner, I never did favor to people. That's why you respect me. That's where if you work straight, honestly, it's all open ocean. You can do anything you want. Wow, that was just an amazing segment um, of Dr. Marwa's conversation with Mala and I. And that's just a very short portion of all the things that he talked about. We were, like I said in the beginning, just in complete awe. Thank you, Dr. Marwa, for your wonderful hospitality and letting us uh, record you at the Marwa Ranch. Thank you. Okay, so ladies, I have a question for you now. What about India the most proud of? The culture. Uh, let's see. The difference states that bring different flavors in cuisine mm -hmm. and clothing, different festivals. That's what I really, really enjoy. Okay, how about you, Ritu? Same. I had the opportunity when I was younger 
go from the north to the south and we went by train and the amazing thing about that two-day train journey was just seeing the different from the north to the south by the time you got there all the different dresses the costumes the language the food i mean in one country you have so much culture and diversity. Also, I think I'm really proud of the fact that India's come so far in technology, some amazing people heading up some amazing companies and scientific developments and discoveries and and I, I think it's wonderful to see that. What about you, Mala? Right along that same chain of thought, I was thinking, I love food. I hate cooking, but I love our food. All the different types of spices and being vegetarian, the variety that we have. Just meet so many people who love Indian food, yoga, the music, turmeric, you know, all these contributions that, no, seriously, like we've had it all yeah. our lives and now people right. are actually on the board with like, oh, this is really cool. When, you know, we've grown up with this horrible, like these natural things. So it's nice that everybody worldwide is now recognizing some of the stuff that we've taken for granted. So that that makes me proud, you know, like, oh, that's Indian. Yeah, we do that all the time. So basically taking that on to the next uh, person that we have is Preeti Kara. And she's been for the last couple of years um, teaching pranayam and yoga online. Ancient tradition of India that is taken the world by storm over the last 50 plus years or even longer. Hey Preeti, nice to see you. Nice to see you Ritu, both the Ritus. Lovely to see you both. Welcome. Uh, Preeti, you were born and grew up in India. What are your fondest moments of your childhood? And what do you miss um, about India when you come back? My fondest memory of my childhood is the barish, the rain, getting wet in the rain, having fun. That barish is different than the barish around the world. Yeah, and I love the late night adda baji, which doesn't <laughs> happen over here. When you feel like you get up and go meet everybody and go and have pow bhaji or meet at a coffee shop at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Over here, I miss that informality. Everything is so informal. Don't have to call a friend or a relative. Suddenly, the bell, the doorbell rings 10 times a day and people just walk in and walk out. So much yeah. comfort. This is what I, I miss. The warmth, the love. Anytime is chai time. Chit chat and chai. Very exactly. appropriate, right? Yeah. Right. So, uh, Preeti, what inspired you to make yoga a part of your life? And what has it changed your outlook to life? Uh, There are two stories involved in this. First one is I always did yoga all my life, even when I was seven, eight years, different kinds of yoga. The gym offered vinyasa yoga, then doing, taking retreats and courses from uh, Baba Ramdev, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar on uh, pranayam and different kinds of yoga. But what inspired me to stick to it as I started getting injuries with my Achilles tendon and back or something or the other, I realized to slow down, to be fit is yoga and pranayam. The biggest reason I decided to teach was I started losing my friends. One of my friends passed away in cancer. One of them got detected with cancer. These are my best friends. One of my best friends moved to New York. One moved to Arizona. So in a basket, you can have only this many friends over the years. And then suddenly I felt I'm all alone. And whoever few people I love, I really didn't want them to die after 
you know, before me. I want them to be fit so that we all can get old together. That is my biggest reason. I want you guys to be fit so that you can get old with me. I started this whole yoga pilate life coaching classes. That's so beautiful. So you said that pranayam and yoga are the main things that you enjoy teaching? Yes. So what is it about these practices that attract people? Pranayam yoga are ancient forms from mm-hmm. India, and now they're being taught across the world. So why do you think people are becoming more attracted to these? The reason it's getting attracted all around the world, yoga is easiness practice. Yoga does not require any equipment. Yoga does not require to go to the gym. But if you know yoga, anywhere it you are, whether you're in a train, you're in a car, you can practice yoga and pranayam. I think yoga became very easy to practice. Pranayam, there's so much science research done behind pranayam by John Hopkins, by hospitals and research centers from all around the world. Benefits of yoga is it improves our strength, our balance, our flexibility without breaking our back, without breaking our knees, without breaking any kind of tendon. It still increases the heart rate. What does a doctor say? You have arthritis, heart problem, practice yoga. Yoga is such a mood booster. So according to me, yoga is mind, body, medicine. It is that powerful. Pranayam such an ancient practice of conditioning our breath, which means to control the timing of the breath, the duration of our breath, and the frequency of our breath. Isn't it beautiful? In a normal day, we don't even pay attention and the breathing is going in and out. When we sit in pranayam, we control the breath. We control the frequency of the breath. We control the timing of the breath. It's beautiful. And what is happening with that? Our oxygen level of our body is increasing. Carbon dioxide is releasing. Where is this oxygen going? It's going to our brain, which is very useful for our cognitive performance. helping with our nerves. And when we do pranayam, connect with our own self. The goal of the pranayam is to strengthen the connection between our body and our mind. So lastly, Preeti, what would you like to say about India's Independence Day? And what kind of a message would you like to give to the youth? Definitely for Independence Day, what a beautiful year to celebrate number one Prime Minister Modiji. Modiji is the one that brought awareness and surfaced yoga, made yoga a actual yoga day all around the world. Beautiful way to celebrate. As I said, when I just came back from India and the tremendous progress I see all all across the board is fantastic. Now you see the projects getting finished from the lowest people to the top notch. Everybody's afraid of taking a bride. They're becoming very conscious. Second name for India, I think it should be youth. 70% of population. Which other country has this kind of population? Youth. Youth means India. This youth are vibrating so aware because of the geophone. India is working very hard to make yoga an actual subject, mandatory subject in colleges. When you go to the airport room, now Modi is adding meditation room. Just a simple meditation room or doing a few yoga poses can relax the youth's body physically, mentally, just sitting and doing alternative breathing or controlling your breath. Even if the youth is either on a student chair or at work, doing a little bit of controlled breathing will calm their stress, will clear their mind and will bring peace to them. It will also increase their concentration level, their memory. I really insist every youth 
should definitely, definitely make this part of their living. In the calmness, yoga has become a synonym in our Western world also. So the progress is fantastic and there's a lot of hope. I agree. Thank you, Preeti. That was amazing. Thank you, Preeti. I also enjoy your yoga classes, which I join from time to time on Zoom. So appreciate your volunteering efforts. So talking about yoga and pranayam also makes me think about the music of India and all the different genres of music. Like, um, what do you enjoy, Arsi? I enjoy classical music. I enjoy upbeat, fast Bollywood music, like Ritu teaches Zumba on Bollywood. <laughs> it's so much fun. Gets your foot going, gets your body movement. So those are the ones I really enjoy. There's so many different types of music all around India. Mala, uh, with me? Um, yeah, same, same. I love classical music. And I think I'm just proud, even the light bulb dance. Like, you know, everybody knows it, right? Um, even in Zumba, they'll play so many Bollywood songs. And I'll, you know, it'll, it'll just bring us, I love Zumba, but it'll bring an extra smile on my face when I see a Bollywood song being done at the gym. Just something yeah, triggers. I know. It's like a little trigger that just like makes me extra happy. Going from Jalebi Baby to like <laughs> <laughs> Bhajans and then to Bhangra. My favorites really are folk dances. I love folk dances because it really shows each state has its own music and its own dance and costume. So when I used to learn dance when I was younger, Bhangra was our favorite, Garba and Rajasthani dance and then South Indian and Bengali. It's all just amazing how much India has to offer. And so speaking of music is the perfect um, intro for our next guest who happens to be again, my wonderful brother-in-law who sang the intro Vande Mataram for us, Hari Raman, and he's a classical trained singer. And that also makes me um, think of Ravi Shankar, again, another Indian artist that makes us proud, right? As Indians, made a name for himself worldwide. Hear from Hari and you will see why he's so fantastic. Vande Mataram, Vande Mataram. Sufala Maraya Jashitala Sasya Shamala Mataram Vande Mataram Vande Mataram Vande Hi everyone, I'm Hari Raman. I live in Southern California in Tustin. I'm an engineer in the medical device uh, field. I was born in a city called Bangalore and grew up in my hometown, which is Chennai. Uh, moved to the US in 2004 for graduate studies in Michigan. Moved my way west, seeking better climbs, as they say. So that's my story. So what makes you proud to be an Indian? That uh, is actually a very complex emotion. Uh, the pride that I feel for India is not just based on one or two things. It's actually a, a variety of factors. One thing that comes to mind is it's rich tradition and tradition is a broad word, but it's got a rich tradition in just about anything. Um, I'm a student of classical music. So there is a, you know, very deep rooted 
uh, tradition of music that the country has offered the world. There is, of course, you know, scriptures and texts and literature that the country has offered for the rest of the world, leaders and thinkers, the people in general, the fact that it is the world's largest democracy, that democracy only came into being 75 years ago but has stood steadfast to its to the principles based on which it was founded and continues to sort of be a beacon uh, to the rest of the world you know that make me proud of my country it's a challenge to be the largest democracy in the world and i'm sure india's had its struggles what are you th some of the things that you think still need to be changed to get india to the next level yeah india you know, in the context of other uh, other countries of the world, is still rel a relatively young democracy. I was thinking about this. If India can continue along the path, if I can borrow a term from American history, its founding fathers, continue along the lines of how they thought and how they envisioned a country and how they, I think that puts India in good stead. That is not to say that they envisioned a perfect country. They envisioned a country. They brought us to where we are today. And our leaders from a few years ago envisioned a country and they're taking us along a path. One of the things that the founders really seem to have recognized and embraced is India's rich diversity. We were taught in schools, you know, unity and diversity. That is our strength. And to not lose that uh, and to recognize that that is indeed a strength. India is a union of different types of people. and Everybody has a sense of pride towards their country. Every Everybody's sense of pride is worth the same. And it's important to move the country forward. That actually makes me um, think of something else with the younger generation, with the influence of westernization in India. Do you still feel that the youth holds the same pride that you did when you were growing up? I think so. The advent of technology, you know, social media, there is an aspect of it that does bring people together. It, it also helps in sharing things amongst Indians and to the rest of the world, things of significance like achievements or, you know, historic moments in time. And I think that has brought news of such nature closer to people's homes. And the sense of pride is probably more prevalent. So as a child in India on Independence Day, what would you normally do? So we get the day off. Okay. <laughs> so we look, That's always we good. Look, yeah, we look forward to, to August 15th because we got the day off. I was part of the school choir. And so it was not quite, uh, it was not exactly a day off, a full day off for us because I would still have to show up in school, pressed uniforms, polished shoes for the flag hoisting um, and sing Matram, the national anthem and other uh, patriotic songs from the independence movement. Those are some very fond memories. My mother is actually a, a recently retired a social sciences teacher and she taught history for over 30 years uh, in the same school that I attended. I can tell you that there's a very in-depth syllabus for students in India that teach them about the birth of Indian independence the people responsible for it, Gandhiji's movement, Gandhiji's you know, life, uh, his life history, um, how he came to India, what prompted him to start the Satyagraha mo movement, how he influenced other leaders of the world, but then how other people recognized Gandhi, uh, Gandhiji as the, the leader of the freedom struggle uh, thought processes, but they gravitated towards one man, accepted his path of a nonviolent struggle forward, which eventually turned out to be the right way to gain independence. It was it was truly an Indian independence. That is to say, you know, his uh, Satyagraha non-violent struggle really was an Indian thought, and it was what resulted in the Indian freedom.
Thank you so much, Hari, for joining us on our 75th Independence Day special. Thank you, Hari. Thank you so much for the opportunity. What a voice he has. It's just wonderful. Yes. Beautiful. We'll be hearing more from him, that's for sure. We'll be bringing I him back. I think so. He's going to be a regular, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we went from, from the older generation, we're kind of moving down to the youth. What do you think, ladies, about how our kids have grown up? Do they appreciate being Indian? RC, what do you think? I think so. My daughters love to go to India. They love to be part of the festivities that we have here in America, the ones like Garba, the Diwalis. So I think we, they have a good mix of growing up here with a touch of Indian. How about you, Mala? I feel like with the Bollywood movies or even the Hollywood, like the Sardar, Udham, Gandhi, you know, the kids need to watch stuff like that. Otherwise, our kids will not understand how hard freedom was for us. They learn about it to appreciate it, but they do love everything about India. They just need to make sure they remember how difficult of a struggle it was. Our next guest is representing the youth of today. Her name is Anuja Bagri. Welcome, Anuja. Hi, Anuja. Hi, Anuja. Hi, it's so nice to meet you. So can you tell us briefly about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Anuja. I am 22 years old. I just graduated from the University of Michigan, lived in India for about four years, like fourth to eighth grade. And other than that, I sort of grew up all over the U.S. How was your experience of, you know, being in India? I'm sure you can tell us a little bit about your, you've experienced Independence Day? Yeah, definitely. So when I moved to India, I at first I was pretty angry at my parents for taking me there. I didn't like it. It was such a big shift, but I think I started to love it and appreciate it um, slowly but surely. In terms of, you know, Independence Day that I went to an international school in Calcutta. And so going to an international school was actually really great because it was people from all different backgrounds, all different cultures. So we celebrated a lot of festivals and holidays there. In terms of celebrating, Celebrating Independence Day, I remember we would host an assembly with everyone in the school. We would have different songs that were being sang, poetry. We wore our cultural clothing and also had a little bit of like learning about Indian independence. Um, so it was called India Day. Really fun memory. And we also all had like really good food that day, I remember. So yeah. <laughs> we always get back to food. Yeah. <laughs> So it was a huge change, but again, you know, having that time with my grandparents was was so amazing. I I don't think I would give that up for for anything. How was like your thoughts and feelings of being both Indian American? Like yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's changed a lot over time. I think growing up, especially the when I lived in the U.S., I often found myself feeling embarrassed about, you know, the color of my skin. I never felt like I fit in. I never saw myself in media. I never saw myself really anywhere. Um, and I wanted to look like everyone else did at school. And so that's something I think I struggled with a lot growing up. But as I've grown older, I think I've realized how much I love being Indian. I absolutely love it. Like our culture, our festivals, our food, there's just so much that our culture brings to the table. So, you know, being brown and proud is is very much what I am. I like that. Being brown <laughs> I like and proud. That. I love that. Yeah, love it. Um, and and again, like I, I owe it all to my parents, my grandparents for sort of teaching those things, even though I grew up most of my life in America, I still got that experience in India. But even while living here, they made sure, you know, I knew about my culture, my religion, our traditions, and that's something I'll always carry. So I'm very very grateful for that. Anything you feel India could do better for the youth and the young adults? 
I I actually had I have a lot of conversations with my parents and grandparents about our ways of thinking and I've always challenged them in the way that they think. So I think one thing is just like societal expectations. I've noticed my my grandparents and parents they had all these expectations growing up and it was always like what will society think of me? Challenging that and not only thinking about, you know, like the societal norms or this is how we do things, this is how it's always been done, so this is how we're going to do it. I think that challenging that is something I really hope can can sort of change in India. I think there was this this quote like Hasan Minhaj always says, um, like what will people think, right? And so that challenging that, I talk to my grandparents and parents about this all the time. Is like why why do we always care so much about what society thinks, right? Why do you always live your life as to what society wants you to do? In India, we need to do a better job of moving past all of that, only thinking about what will, what will other people say. And then uh, other than that, of course, I, I wish we could focus on more, especially in rural areas in India, like education. That's something that needs to be advocated for more. Those are just things I, I think about and, of course, talk about a lot um, with, with my family, with my friends. I know, Anuja, you're going to be visiting India soon before you start your job. You are going to spend a month there. What do you miss most about India? I feel like I could, that could be a whole episode in itself. <laughs> I could talk about that for hours. I mean, there's so much, right? It's, it's like your family. It's the festivals. It's the food, of course. I feel like every time I land in India, there's just this energy in the air that I, I have never seen anywhere in the world that I've been except for when I'm in India. Like there's this energy, there's this excitement, there's this buzz, there's never a moment of silence ever. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what I miss the most is that constant energy, constant excitement. And so many people, right? And every single person has a different story, different ways that they were brought up. I think it's just like, that's what I miss the most is like talking to the the local chatwala or the local like dukanwala, you know, and talking to them about their lives and their stories. That's something I miss the most. So that's something I'm, I'm very, very excited about. Thank you so much, Anuja, for your, your experience and sharing with us your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to all our guests who helped us put this episode together. Happy 75th Independence Day. India. For fun, I thought listeners, if you could comment on our Facebook or Instagram page, a patriotic song or movie, it would be fun to see what your responses are. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did putting it on. We met some amazing people, wouldn't you say, girls? Absolutely. Wonderful people. Wonderful people. To end this episode, we're going to end it appropriately with Lata Mangeshkar's Mere Vatan Ke Logo, played by my uncle Naresh Jain on the flute. And I think we all can thank the sacrifice of our Indian soldiers, men in uniform who save, protect borders every day, and all the people that have sacrificed their life for independence. Thank you so much. Till we meet again. Jai Hind.
until we meet again, remember life is not short. Life is unpredictable, so always, always strive to stay happy. And add a little spice to your life and join us again for a little chit chat and chat.